Welcome to this edition of the Positive Populist Podcast. I have to be very careful how I say that. My guest today, so exciting. You see her all the time on Fox Nation especially, but I'm very pleased to say on my show, The Next Revolution, it is Tommy Lauren. It's good to be here. All right, Tommy. So you've got this great book out. We're going to talk about it in a second, but I've got to start with uh, the question I ask all my guests on this podcast, which is, are you, Tommy Lauren, a positive populist? I think every good American should be. I think especially every good Trump-supporting American who's loving what's going on with this country and the upward trajectory would have to call themselves a positive populist. So I'm excited that we have gotten to that place in this nation because it took a while. Right. So tell what lies behind that. When you say it took a while, what, what, are you, what are you thinking of when you say that? I think it took a while for us to elect a president that really reflects those values. And now we are reaping the benefits of that. But we didn't have that for eight years. The people really didn't have as much of a voice. They didn't matter. The forgotten American, the silent majority, which I think is really reflected with positive populism. Yeah. But now we have a president that represents that to the very core. And I think going to represent it for the next four years, even beyond. And do you feel like those are things that you felt for... A very long time. Can you remember when you first started thinking about these sorts of questions and, and you first got interested in talking about them politically and, and, and to a wider audience than just the people around you? Sure. Well, I'm from South Dakota, so I'm right. from the middle of the country. And so when we talk about the forgotten American, when we talk about the people really mattering and those people that have built really the foundation of this country and the flyover states that are often ignored, mm -hmm. that's where I come from. So that's why I do what I do. And that's why it's so important to me is to represent those people that don't live on the coasts like I live now, but live in the right. center of the country and often feel overlooked. Their jobs often look expendable to a lot of people on the coast and what they do for a living is is overlooked in a lot of ways and so I wanted to be a voice for that because I know those people I am one of those people can you remember when you first started thinking like that when you said when you kind of felt the urge to speak out it was really watching the nightly news and feeling like they were getting it so wrong, especially wow. as it pertained to average Americans uh -huh. like myself. I often talk about, even on your show, when we're talking about Russia, or we're talking about a lot of things revolving around the Mueller report and that, I always try to bring it back to how does this impact everyday Americans mm -hmm. that are struggling to get by day in and day out, just working very hard to pay the mortgage, to put their children through college and pay the bills and yeah. maybe go on a nice vacation every once in a while how does this impact those people and that's always what has been important to me so i want to get a sense of it so you're 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 watching the news at home what was the, just tell us a little bit about that were you literally in the middle of the uh, really rural or in a small town or what was that like well, my whole state is under a million people. So okay. my hometown is about 70,000 people, uh -huh. and that's the second largest city in the state of South Dakota. So to give you an example right. of how small we are, not only are we a small state, but we're surrounded by a mm -hmm. lot of small states. So it's not as if there's an area close. If you want to find a big city, you have to go to Denver and Minneapolis. Both are six to eight hours drive away. So you live in the middle. I would watch them, particularly when they would talk about gun culture right. on TV, in the nightly news, whenever a horrible tragedy would happen, Oftentimes they would talk about guns, gun culture, and I felt like they were completely missing the point for people like me and people that grow up in uh -huh. rural areas in the Midwest. Our gun culture is not what they were portraying on the nightly news, and I found that very frustrating, and that was kind of the catalyst to get me to talk about some of these things and want to be a voice for. What did for you do first? What was your first step in that direction? Student government. Uh -huh. I always wanted to have a At voice. High school or all the way through elementary, okay. middle school, high school, elementary school. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. So you've really been. Wow. That's so. Well, I can see why you're so good at it. You've been doing it actually a long time. 
I have learned that I'm able to speak well, or I'm able to articulate myself well, whereas uh-huh. a lot of people, they know what they want to say and they're very smart, but sometimes they just don't know quite how to say it or they're afraid to say it. And I've right. never had that fear. And so I always wanted to be a voice, whether it was just elementary school, middle school, high school, student government, there's still a lot of things at play there. And it really is a microcosm of the bigger political world. And I wanted to be involved. I wanted to give people a sense of belonging also. Mm-hmm. If they could feel like they belonged to the school and they were proud of the school and they were proud of their classmates and it, that gave them a sense of something, right. I wanted to help foster that because I know a lot of kids don't have a direction. And then when did you take that from your community to the wider world? I went to University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So I went from South Dakota to Las Vegas. So that's a big jump. Mm -hmm. And it's very different. And when UNLV, when I went there, was ranked the 19th most diverse college or university in the United States. So coming from South Dakota, where we didn't really have a lot of diversity of really thought or anything else, quite honestly, it's a very conservative state. Of course, we had other thoughts and we were respectful and tolerant of other thoughts, but it is a conservative state. So going from South Dakota to Nevada, especially a city like Las Vegas, was a big change for me. But I realized that even going to this place, there were a lot of conservatives in Las Vegas and they didn't even know they were conservatives. And that really motivated so outside me. of the university, just in just around in the area. at the university, too, because uh-huh. I would hear people say things, especially when you probe a little deeper, because we all know the issues we have on college campuses and UNLV yes. is no different. Any state school. Uh-huh. They all are going to have those issues. And really, any university, unless you're going to a very small private university, it's going to have the liberal influence. Mm -hmm. So I would talk to a lot of friends there in class, and our professors, of course, would be very left-leaning, very proud of their left-leaning. What were you studying, by the way? uh, Journalism Uh and political science. Okay, great. So obviously, as the study of journalism, my professors were liberal, and they were proud to be liberal. It's not like they tried to hide it. They They were liberal. They didn't like anything Republican, anything conservative, but the way they would teach a lot of my classmates, who I knew were inherently conservative, yeah, they mistook themselves for liberals only because they didn't have the tools to understand what they really believed. That's so interesting. So you found, and were you speaking up then in class, you know, with direct? Oh with yes. The, I can. I mean, and so that's right. So you really used to this combat. I think that for me in college, it was always one of those things where I would ask a lot of questions. Uh It wasn't just me trying to be naggy or me trying to say I'm a conservative and don't say that you're offending me. It was more I have a point of view that I'd like to get across, not only for my professor because I didn't really ever intend to change their mind. I knew I probably wasn't going to. But for the rest of the kids in the class, I just wanted them to think about something in a different way. So they just just didn't take what our professor said as truth and as gospel because it it wasn't. I can just imagine, by the way, I can imagine and and, and their reaction. What what do they make of you? Quite honestly, I write about it a lot in the book because that's the number one question I get from a lot of conservative students is how do I challenge my professors or my teachers in a way that's not going to have negative repercussions on me? And Mm -hmm. I would always say my professors actually appreciated the fact that I asked questions because I was paying attention. Uh And I often feel that professors are you know, they're very um, indulgent in nature and they love it when someone's just listening to them rather than playing on their phone or looking at the ceiling. So even if I disagreed, they appreciated the fact that I was listening to what they had to say. So they actually like a good argument. They like a challenge. There Uh are some that of course don't, but everyone knew where I stood. Mm -hmm. So it was never, we're going to have to have an argument about it because they would always know that I would take the conservative position and I would say, oh, well, wait, think about it this way or this is how I see uh-huh. it. And they knew that that's where I was coming from. So it was always kind of a running joke. Well, yes, you know, at the time right. I was the Mitt Romney supporter. We were in the middle of 2012 election. Right. And so 
No, I'm now we've Tommy seen Romney, Romney. An establishment Republican. That's amazing. yeah. I mean, yeah. well, at the time, course, I had high hopes for Romney. I right. had very high hopes, especially in that era. And I had seen how badly Barack Obama had did for the country, and I mm-hmm. thought there is no way that we are going to elect this man again. And to watch him be reelected, yeah. that was difficult because I think people just were not paying attention. And so when you would. Um did you get, I mean, did you get in, into the organized political, or were you just doing this in class and so on, but, or did you get into kind of organized kind of university politics? I don't know, the, the, the college Republicans, that kind of thing. Not really, because I didn't really feel like I was making an impact there. Mm-hmm. There's great when you have groups of conservatives that stick together. That's great because it's a community, but yeah. I really wanted to challenge and I wanted to inform or at least provide a perspective and start a dialogue and Mm -hmm. i don't think that you can necessarily always do that when you just stay in your group i would much rather speak to a group that disagrees with me to this day i would rather be challenged than just sit there and say the same thing back to someone who's mirroring my views so i was never in the young republicans or anything like that but i did take part in we had a journalism program we had a you know a tv news as a class but we did a full production and so that really was my outlet. And we did a roundtable political show that yeah. I hosted and was a panelist on. So that was really what started the TV end of it. Right. When you're at university. Mm-hmm. And so when where did that take you next? That took me to I need to get an internship in yeah. order to graduate and looking around for conservative news outlets because I knew that's what I wanted to do. And eventually the goal was always have your own show, have your own outlet Mm -hmm. to speak your mind and voice your opinion. And I had done this roundtable show that I wrote myself, that I produced myself, Uh that was really important to me and special to me. And then after that, it was I need to find an internship. So funnily enough, I at first thought I was going to go to the Blaze for an internship. Uh And then at the last minute, they told me someone else got it. So I thought I was going to Dallas to intern at the Blaze. And Glenn Beck was really an icon of mine at that time. And so I was really excited about that. And then when that fell through, I started looking around for other outlets. Mm -hmm. And I found a a small network that was just starting in San Diego called One America News. It's still around. But I just called and asked to intern. And I was told we don't take interns, but you can interview for a job. And I thought maybe I'll be a writer. Maybe I'll do grab coffee. I don't know. Maybe I'll do an intern like job, but they'll give me a paycheck. And I got there and I spoke to the owner and I told him that I hosted the show. We talked about politics and he offered me my own show. And that was when I was 21. So I didn't even walk in graduation. I just <laughs> finished up classes. I, I got the job before I finished college, right. packed up, and moved to San Diego straight from Vegas. And I, so I'd cool. never been to California. That was yeah. the second time I'd been to California was when I moved there to start working on the show. And then there was really not a lot of resources. So it was just, Tommy, you're going to have an hour-long show, uh-huh. so go do it. And I've always just had to make it work. And that, and then you're in front of a national audience. Yes, for the first time. but it was still a small national audience mm-hmm. because we weren't like Fox News, obviously. Mm-hmm. So my conduit to the rest of the world was social media, YouTube, Facebook. I started posting yes. clips, and I've always called them my final thoughts. Yeah, that's always been my final thoughts because it was the last segment of my hour-long show would be my final thoughts of the show. People wish that it was my final thoughts ever on social media, but it's not my final thoughts ever. It's my final thoughts at the end of the show or now at the end of the day. And then we would take them, me and my team, and put them on the internet, and we found that people were watching them and they were very well received. And then that turned into a whole new thing and a whole viral. And is that when they that you you got back in the kind of back the attention of the blaze and went there? Yeah. Yeah. So I needed to grow and expand, and then. 
the place that didn't want me as an intern now wanted to hire me to have my own show. And so I went there and I was there for almost two years until things went awry. <laughs> and you can read about that in my book. Yes. But, you know, it was a... We'll get that in a second. But the thing that I really, I just would love to hear you, and it really touched on something you said earlier. The first time I think I came across you was, was you had this fantastic debate with Trevor Noah. Right. And it was just amazing. And I just remember watching, wow, this person is just incredible. You were so fast and so kind of confident and clear, as you said, in the argument. And it really connects now with what you said about actually enjoying that argument rather than preaching to the choir. I love that. And I knew walking into The Daily Show mm -hmm. that I wasn't going to be well, well received by the audience. I was booed the whole time. Every time he would say something, they would laugh, they would heckle me, but I knew what I was walking into. So it didn't bother me. And I looked at it as an opportunity. I wasn't expecting to go there and get a pat on the back. I knew he was going to make fun of me. But at the end of the day, I stood up for myself. You did. I mean, you really held your own. It was incredibly impressive. I mean, that that is a really... I just want to sort of understand that a bit more because that... And also you mentioned the way people online, um, you know, criticize you, um, which is really aggressive to me when I've seen mm -hmm. that. Like, how do you, you know, there's a toughness there, obviously. Where do you think that comes from? I know who I am and I know what's true and what's not. So as you know, being in TV, people say 100 nasty things a minute really to me, but I don't give these people any respect because they're not saying anything respectful. So why would I take a minute of my day to worry about what they're saying? Because they're just saying it to be me. They're not saying it because yes. they want to facilitate a conversation or because they want to respectfully disagree. They're doing it to be mean and violent. Often the attacks are personal attacks. They have nothing to do with politics. It's yeah. just name calling and I don't agree with you, so you're this. I don't agree with you, so you're that. And then it starts going into the you know shots at your appearance or you only got here because or whatever they want to say. And so if I spent my day worrying about what those people said, I would constantly be in a bad mood because it's it's really <laughs> disgusting on Twitter, especially. I can I can understand that part, but I want to come back to the the debate. You know, a lot of people shy away from that. You know, they 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 don't like that. They don't like to. But but you it seems like you really relish that. Is this a theme of the book? Let's just let's just make sure everyone is clear about the book. So the book's called Never Play Dead: How the Truth Makes You Unstoppable. Sounds like that's, that message it is. is very it much resonates. part of what we've just been talking about. Through my whole life, that's really been what I've done, and it's never played out. It's never backed down. And I know that there are a lot of especially conservatives who don't want to go on these other shows, and liberals, of course, don't want to go on conservative shows. I mean, yeah. that is almost unheard of. They don't want to be in a playing field that they feel like is unlevel. For me, I enjoy it. It's a challenge, and that's how I get better. I get better when people challenge me and we can have a conversation, but through the whole thing, to me, the most disappointing thing about being on The Daily Show was afterwards when everyone was Trevor Noah dragged Tommy Lahren. Trevor Noah, you know, it was always uh, had to be my side against your side. It couldn't just be they disagreed, but it was fun to watch. And it I, was a good, I yeah, good conversation. It was yeah. substantive. It, it, it actually was. wasn't name court. It was really a smart conversation, very high paced and very impressive. I just thought it was this is really good you know it's not just entertaining it was really substantive and people like to watch that yeah and so at the end of the day i can still count trevor noah as someone i disagree with on a lot of things but he has since come up and defended me on a number of occasions yeah and said don't have death threats against tommy you can't be a, a liberal and say you're for women and then give death threats to conservative women because they don't think like you he's actually gone in his show and said that particularly about me yeah and that was really important to me because a lot of what i write about in the book is separating people from politics and we need to learn how to do that better so tell us what's what sort of the big arguments in the book what, the, what are the main things you're trying to tell people for me it's 
being able to find your voice, especially for young women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a feminist, but I know that it's harder for young women to find their voice. I know mm-hmm. it's harder for them to be confident in their opinions and just be all around confident. Mm-hmm. For me, I was always very professionally and politically confident, but the personal confidence takes a while to right. develop and to really make that an everyday habit. It's something you work on. So I want to help girls do that because that's the number one question I get. And, and really everyone asks me is how do I deal with the backlash? How do I deal with haters? How do yeah. I deal with people that call me names? And I don't, I don't deal with it because I don't do what I do for those people. I do what I do for the girls who message me and say, I'm picked on in high school and I'm, I've never been able to stand up for myself or my opinions, but I watch you do it. And that makes me feel like I can do it too. And so they're reaching out to you not because of your politics. They're reaching out because they like my politics, but oftentimes it's just because they like somebody who's going to stand her ground. And the biggest compliment someone can give me is that you can take it from the left and from the right. Because I've taken my fair share from the right. The right is yes. really beat up on me, especially over, you know, I've lost my job over it. So for me... That was over the abortion issue. Yeah, so yeah. it was me saying, I, you know, I'm, I believe in limited government, so I'm, I'm pro-choice because mm-hmm. I don't believe that the government is the, is the best mechanism to reach a pro-life goal. I don't. Mm-hmm. I think that churches and community groups mm-hmm. and pregnancy centers, I think that's the way to do it. I'm, I'm very much libertarian in that, that I'm limited government. Mm-hmm. So I, I put that stance out there and it was frustrating to see the right beat up on me and tell me I wasn't conservative enough. Mm-hmm. And that was a real frustration for me is I feel like we can't tell each other you're not conservative enough. You're not, that's, we shouldn't have that in yeah, our tent. Yeah. Let, let them do that. But for me, that was a big turning point. But being able to withstand it, because for me, it's always been easy to take hits from the left. I'm used to it. I'm a conservative talk show host. I know I'm going to get beat up from the left. When I started getting it from the right, that's when I really developed that never play dead attitude. Because it was, I don't play for a team. That's why I say the truth makes you unstoppable. I'm going to speak my mind and my opinions. I could care less about losing fans and followers. I would rather lose that than lose myself trying to pitch a talking point that I don't believe in. I just won't ever That's do it. That's very powerful. And just, I'm just sitting here. I mean, you know, this is a podcast, so people can't see you. But just the way you said that, I'm just looking at you right now. You, there's a real intensity to the way you said that. That is very impressive. It's really powerful. And it's interesting. As you're talking, I'm just thinking, if you're on the left, you would be kind of heralded as the right. great champion of female empowerment and and so on. Um, that's never going to happen. No. But do you think some on the left might recognise that there's something really strong about someone in your situation doing what you're doing. I think that's why I'm such a threat and that's why they don't like me because they know that I'm going to speak my mind and they know that they're not going to deter me from it. But it's funny because I guess it was maybe a month back when all the stuff was going on with the Alabama abortion, blanket Uh ban on abortion, and I came out and said a lot of conservatives aren't going to like me for this, but I think that this is too extreme. I think there needs to be exceptions for rape and incest, certainly, Mm -hmm. that this is going to be problematic for people. And the liberals really touted me for few days they were really excited about that again and they were oh maybe she's not as bad as we thought oh maybe she actually was right on this thing and so they really liked me for a couple of days and then I went back to talking about how I feel about illegal immigration and then they go oh well never mind she's still awful it's like no I just had this opinion which you liked and this opinion which you didn't yeah but it doesn't mean that now I was enlightened and now I'm not it really exposes how shallow they are I mean that's a really great example what in in the book do you I mean you get it's like a I mean, would you consider it a self-help book in some ways? In a way, yeah. I think that through a lot of the things that I've been through, I can help other people Mm -hmm. get through them. My biggest thing is I see 
girls my age, even older than me, I have a lot of middle-aged women that come up mm-hmm. and say it, but they haven't found that confidence yet. Yeah. And I feel being able to find your voice, no matter what it is, gives you that amount of confidence. And so for me, when I can show them some of the things I've been through and say, I'm still standing and I'm strong, they look at me and think that nothing's ever gone wrong for me, that I've yeah. always been at the top, that I just was 21 and just got this great job. And yeah. all of a sudden it's just been a cakewalk for me. And I tell them there's a lot of stuff that you don't know that you don't see from the outside because I hold it together. But trust me, I've been through these things that you've been through too. What are some of the examples? I mean, you've touched on a couple of them. Any others that you'd share with us? Well, for me, the big one was, of course, the lawsuit because I was at the top and then I was knocked down to nothing. And I mean, at that time, I was 24 years old and I had saved money, but now I had to decide, am I going to move forward and file a lawsuit or am I just going to sit back in the corner and collect a paycheck so and go away? There? What was the what was just, just set that up for us? So, I mean, I, it's it's a complicated thing, but for me, it was I said what I said, mm-hmm. and then I came back to I was on the View. Mm-hmm. I came back on Monday, getting ready to go do my show as I always do, mm-hmm. and I got a call saying, "Don't bother coming in. Your show is suspended indefinitely. Don't come to the office. Don't come near the building." At the blaze. And, at the yeah. blaze. And yeah. so I was, whoa. I mean, I, I never thought, I thought we would have a conversation about it. Let's yeah. talk about it. If, you know, I said something and you, it needs more explanation, that's fine with me. Let's mm. have a conversation. But no, it was just cut me off at the knees. You're done. Your show's over. You're fired. And the, the whole remedy for the situation, which I talk about in the book, which I've never talked about before, was, well, you have six months left on your contract. So you just go away. Don't go on social media. Don't go on Facebook. Don't go on any other networks. Basically, just die for six months, and we'll pay you, and then we'll be done with it. And I said, wow. no, that's not going to work for me because you guys are going out and slamming me. You guys are going out trying to turn everyone against me, and you expect me to say nothing and collect a paycheck. No, I'm not going to do that. That's why I tweeted out, which is the title of the book, rolling over and playing dead has never really been my style because I had to decide. Yeah, I don't have a lot of money. I I'm having to move forward with a lawsuit because they will not work with me. They will not bargain with me. They will not. But purely based on what you said. Yeah. I mean, in the book, I go through some other elements of what I think it really was. Right. Uh, I think it had a lot more to do with I was the only pro-Trump person in the building, really, at least vocally. Uh-huh. And then President Trump had just won. And so you had a bunch of conservatives that were never Trumpers. And then the one conservative in the building who really my career got elevated because I very much was in yes. Trump's corner. And then now he's president. And now it's, uh-oh, we're a building full of never Trumpers. Trump is our president. And now we've got this girl. What can we do to really level her down? And Good for you for stuff. Because honestly, that is, a, that is an unbelievably shitty way to treat someone. I mean, it's just unbelievable. When you you did the details of that, no, I, I talk mean, about I, it in, I in depth in the book. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, good. It sounds like a really good reason for people to buy it and read it because I I hadn't grasped any of that. Just in the sort of quick highlights you've given here, it's more than I'd previously known about it. That's people really think I made a lot of money off of that. I didn't make any money off of that. I lost a lot of money off of that situation. But for me, like I said, I was 24 and I'm going up in a lawsuit with legal bills. I mean, every time you make a call, I was even unaware at age 24, even being in the business, that every time I make a call, that's $500. It's a minute. It doesn't matter. It's a two minute call. That was just $1,000. And I'm thinking, OK, so I don't have a job. And I'm 24 years old. I don't have a lot of wow. savings because I'm 24 years old and I put myself through college and I worked and now I, you know, what do I do? But it, the, the choice was, am I going to just collect a paycheck and mm-hmm. hopefully revive my career after six months? And maybe someone will want me or am I going to show people that, no, what you did was wrong and I'm going to fight back because I feel that I will win. Great. I mean, that's a great story. 
and it's ended great. I mean, you know, they're definitely. I mean, I, I'm sure everyone listening who's a Fox viewer of, of one kind or another on Fox Nation or Fox News Channel will, will say, well, you know, their loss is our gain. Well, it was a road to get there. For yeah. me, it was, I was like a, a pariah for a while. It's like, we, I don't, no one really wanted me because it's like, what do we do with this girl? But actually what it was when I talk about in the book is I would start, once I finally got a lot of the lawsuit was over control my Facebook page uh-huh. because I have four and a half million followers on Facebook. And my previous network wanted to not only take ownership of the page, but just delete it. And <laughs> that was four and a half million people that I had built from nothing. This is unbelievable. From nothing. And they just wanted to delete it. And so that was the biggest fight of the lawsuit was, can I just have my Facebook page back? That was really all I wanted. Let me out of the contract. I'll go away. I won't talk about you. Don't care. Give me my Facebook page and I'll leave and you don't have to pay me a dime. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. So I started doing videos in my car with my phone. That's right. I remember that. That was so powerful. And it was like, well, I'm still getting millions of views. So clearly the network wasn't why I was here. Yeah, exactly. It's the things that I'm saying that are resonating. So you can take that anywhere as long as you own it and that's yours and you're thinking for yourself and writing for yeah. yourself. That's your gift. Nobody can take it from you. What are the What are some of the things um, looking forward that you're going to sort of plan to, to pursue? I mean, one day the President Trump won't be there, whether that's mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, year or so or five years or so. What what do you see the future like? And do you, are you? I mean, for example, are you interested yourself in in running for office and doing anything politically? No, I'd rather be on this side of the of the whole thing. Uh-huh. I I don't wouldn't want that schedule and I wouldn't want that stress. And right. for me, I'd like to I just like talking about it. But you know, I, I'm on Fox Nation, and that's a big thing for me. Was the streaming platform, and, and Fox was so smart to realize that we should be everywhere and that people want more mm-hmm. of the network. And so we can do so many things and give our loyal fans, which no other network has a fan base like yeah. we have, not a news network, maybe Bravo for the <laughs> housewives, but not a news network. They don't have the fans that Fox has. And so Fox nation, and you know, cause you're on it. It's, it's an, I think it's an incredible way for us to be able to just build that out and then make that available for generations to come yeah. and make sure that no matter what happens in technology, we have a presence on whatever's next, and that's Fox Nation for me. So that's right now. That's the goal: is get that continuing and building and growing, and make that truly the Netflix of Fox News. And let's compete at that level. And that's where I see it going. That's really exciting. I think that's 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 the sort of level of ambition that I certainly think of when I see. I just think you know this is an amazing opportunity to get that message out. Um, and actually, all over the world, that's what's really mm-hmm. cool about it. I mean, obviously, it's just at the beginning of Fox Nation, and we're just kind of trying different things out. But I, I like you, I think it could be really, really huge and have a big impact. I think it's what people are looking for. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And people want to watch their content anywhere. They don't want to be always tied down. They want to have it mm-hmm. available 24-7. For me, and what I always tell people, too, is, yes, it, it costs $5.99 a month. You get a free trial. It costs five ninety nine a month. That's about the cost of a coffee. But in the airport, instead of having to watch CNN, you have an alternative, and it's on your phone. Because they're never going to turn Fox News on in the, in the airport, but you can watch Fox Nation on your phone, and that's giving people the capability to do yes. that and to have it at their fingertips. That is a great use case. Very well done. All right, so we've got to leave it there, Tommy. But just remind us before we go of the book and um, where people can get it. Never Play Dead, How the Truth Makes You Unstoppable, and it is available July 2nd and out and really anywhere you buy books. And hopefully, as you know, because you've written a book, sometimes it's harder for conservatives. So we we have a great family of conservatives that are going to help promote and support each other. Exactly. There you go. Well, Tommy Lauren, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. In these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.